Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus and the disciples are traveling on the road going to Jerusalem for the final time when He would die on the cross. And he, it says, as He is, was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before Him, and asked Him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions." And so, as Jesus travels, he has a young man come running up to him. Uh, one of the other Gospels tell us that he was a young man. And he had a question to ask Jesus. And it was an important question. In fact, it was the most important question that there is in all of life. He said, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit, that I may inherit eternal life. So he's asking, what do I need to do to live forever? Uh, now this is the most important question in life, is how to live forever, because that's really what we need. The condition we live under is not the way God originally made things. It was not His original desire. God made life to be in existence, and He wanted it to continue in existence. We're the ones that messed that up. And what we did was we brought sin into the world. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 is a very important verse on this. And it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Adam sinned, and he brought death then into the world. And Adam then began to die. He slowly began to die, and then eventually there came the day where his body ceased to function, and he died and went back into the ground. And we all have followed his footsteps. We all have sinned, Romans 5 says. We all have brought death upon ourselves. And so we live under the penalty of death where our life would cease one day, and then it's over. And Jesus, in another place, asked the question, what good is that? If you can live and have any, even have everything there is you can have on the earth, but yet die and lose your soul, what have you profited? What have you gained? And the answer is nothing. If you lose everything in the end, and you live for a time, and then you die, and you die forever, and you never have life again, you really haven't gained anything. You've lost everything. This is the most important issue in life because it is life. We all have the instinct that we want to live. If you have life in you, you're here today, you're alive, you want to continue living. And the reality is 
even if you're young, enough days go by, you'll come to the time when you will face the end of your life. And all that you've had on the earth in your life won't matter except in that moment that you've got to deal with death and you need to overcome death to have life forever. That is the most important issue. And so this question from this young man was very insightful. It was very important. In his youth, he was asking this, what do I need to do to have eternal life? It was a very important question. And it's an important question for each one of us. Because we need to be saved from death or we will lose everything forever. Now, to answer this question, Jesus needed to try to help this young man understand how eternal life works. And the first thing he needed to do is to get this young man to understand that eternal life was not going to be something he could do to earn himself. And notice that was in his question. He said, what do I do to inherit eternal life? He needed to understand to get away from that thinking of what he would do and on to God. And that's why Jesus said what he did in his first statement. Look at it in verse 18 again. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. So Jesus, with this answer, he began to turn his focus off of himself, the young man, onto God. Because that's where eternal life comes from. Eternal life comes as a gift from God. The Bible says, by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Eternal life does not come through some work we do or something we do to earn it. It comes as a gift from God. And so Jesus turned the focus onto God because that's where eternal life came from. And that's what that young man needed to understand. But as we're going to see, sadly, he doesn't get it. But Jesus tries to help him understand where eternal life comes from. First, it comes from God. It comes from God because God is the only one who is good. Death comes from sin. Sin is not good. It's doing what is wrong. It's doing what is bad. Sin brings death. Everyone who has done bad has death. You and I are dying and we are in the threat of death because we have done bad in our life. Jesus gives the very important answer is there is no one good except God. And he also tries to get this young man to understand who he was, Jesus, by saying, why are you calling me good because there's no one that really can deserve that title except God. So he was trying to help that young man to see that he was the Son of God. Which you have to come to believe and understand in order to be saved from death and to have eternal life. And so look at Jesus' answer here. He gives us the insight that you and I are not good. That we can't rightfully say we're good. Only God can say He's good because only God has never sinned. And Jesus is the only one who is good. The only human being that can say He's good because Jesus is the only one who never sinned. It only takes sinning one time to become bad is what Jesus explains to this young man and what the Bible teaches us. It only takes one sin to become a sinner. 
and therefore you're bad, you're not good. So if you ever got asked the question, are you a good person? The correct answer to that is to say, no, I'm really not good because I've sinned. And we need to realize that. This young man needed to understand this, but he didn't understand it. He was denying his sinfulness. And therefore, that was going to keep him from getting saved and having eternal life. And, and we're going to see he walks away rejecting that salvation. And perhaps he did that and he died and he's in hell today. We don't know. But if he held on to his denial of his sinfulness, then he died in his sins and he will die forever. He'll never live again. You and I must acknowledge our sinfulness in order to have eternal life, in order to have salvation. Jesus was trying to get this young man to realize this and understand this, that he was not good. And the truth is for us, we're not good. I'm not good. You're not good because we have sinned. And it only takes one time. We can understand this from the example of the sin of murder. You can live your whole life and never take somebody's life. But at the end of your life, if you then kill somebody and you stand before God, He's going to see you as a murderer. Because it only took one time. It only takes one time to kill somebody to be a murderer. And that one act wipes out a whole life of being good. It only takes one sin to make you a sinner. That's the nature of sin. And so the fact that we have sinned, all of us have sinned, means that we can't say we're good. We can't stand before God and say, God, I'm really kind of a good person. Because our sin testifies against us. And when we stand before God in the judgment, He's going to have a final judgment at the end. And everybody's going to come before Him. And He's going to look at all of our life. And he's going to see everything you did, everything you even thought about. All of that's going to be before God. And there's going to be nobody who can look at God and say, God, I'm really a good person. God's going to say, no, you did this, this, and this. And you thought this. You said this. At that time, you, you thought this. And there's going to be a whole list of sins. And it's going to be clear. The Bible says on that day, nobody, everybody's mouth will be stopped. Nobody will be able to say, God, I'm really a good person. Every mouth will be stopped. And everybody will be guilty before God. This young man was guilty, but he wouldn't admit it. And that's what Jesus was trying to get him to do, because that was the first step of being saved and having eternal life, is you have to admit you're a sinner, you have to deal with your sin, you have to acknowledge your sinfulness and your guilt before God. God knows it, but we've got to admit it, and we've got to deal with it. If we deny it, if we say, oh, I'm not going to deal with that, I'm just going to ignore it, it doesn't make it go away. It just keeps us lost in our sin, is all it does. And anybody that denies their sinfulness and holds on to that, they will die in their sins and they will never live again with eternal life because they refuse to acknowledge their sinfulness. That was the first step here. That's the first thing Jesus is trying to get this young man to do. To acknowledge that he's not good, that there's only one good person, and that was Jesus, and that's why he's the Savior, and that's why he's the only way to be saved. All right, so that's the first statement, and the young man doesn't get it at this point, so Jesus presses it further. 
His second statement is, verse 19, he says, uh, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. By the way, that's another way of stating do not covet. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when he didn't understand about, he wouldn't acknowledge his sinfulness when Jesus talked about God being the only one who's good. And so the, the answer to that is, okay, if God's the only one good, that means you're not good. But the young man wouldn't say, oh, okay, I see. You're right, Jesus. He just stood there and looked at him. So Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. Let's talk about the Ten Commandments. And Jesus used the second half of the Ten Commandments that dealt with sins against other people. So he said, you're to honor your father and your mother, and you're not to lie, you're not to steal, you're not to murder somebody, and you're not to commit adultery, and you're not to covet. Those were the last half of the commandments. And he said, okay, you're not to do those things. And the young man looked at him and said, teacher, I've kept all those for my youth. He was lying through his teeth. He was breaking the ninth commandment at that point to not bear false witness. But he had not kept any of those. He had not kept those commandments. He had not obeyed his mother and father every time. Every child disobeys their parents at some point. He had broken these commandments, many of them. Jesus even showed us how sinful we are and what a high standard there is of goodness with God. God's the only one that's good. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the standard. Jesus taught that even if you're angry with somebody in your heart unjustly and there's no just reason for it and you're angry at somebody and you want to, if you want to harm them, he said you're guilty of breaking the commandment to murder. Because murder is just wanting to hurt somebody and if you hurt them enough, you kill them. But wanting to hurt somebody is a part of breaking that commandment. Jesus even said if you're angry with somebody without a just cause, you're in danger of the judgment. So we can commit murder even in our heart. Jesus taught you can commit adultery in your heart. You can commit murder in your heart by being angry and wanting to hurt somebody else. See, the standard of sin is very, very high. We cannot attain that. We've all broken these commandments. Even if we say, well, I've never killed somebody. The truth is we've all been mad at somebody wrongfully. There's been times where we've been angry at somebody for a wrong reason. And we were, we were breaking in our heart that commandment. Jesus said to not murder. We're, we've broken all the commandments is the reality. So Jesus was trying to get this young man to realize how sinful he was. And he wasn't good. And he wasn't perfect. He needed to be saved. He needed to be forgiven of his sins. So that's what Jesus is trying to get this young man to understand. And so when he said, when he would just deny and say, well, I've, I've obeyed all those commandments, even though he hadn't, he wouldn't admit it. See, Jesus knew he had sinned, but he wouldn't admit it. And that's what is the first step of being saved and having eternal life, is you must admit and acknowledge your sin in repentance. You're sorry for your sins, and you realize your sins are serious between you and God, and you need to deal with that. You need to apologize to God, and you need to turn from your sins. And so Jesus said, okay, then do this. He said, one thing you need to do is go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, 
and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. Jesus knew that the one great sin of this young man is he loved his money and his things. And when he wouldn't admit his other sins, Jesus knew he could confront this young man with this sin and make it clear to him by telling him, okay, go do this. Go sell everything you have and come follow me and you'll have eternal life. And he refused to do it. And Jesus, what he was doing was bringing him to the point where he would reveal his choice in life is that he loved his money more than God. And that's a sin. That's breaking the first commandment to have no other gods before you. So he was breaking the first commandment, the greatest commandment, and Jesus was helping him to understand that. And Jesus brought him to a point of choice. And the young man realized this, and he said, it says in verse 22, he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he walked away because he said, I'm not going to give up my possessions. I love them too much. And how sad that was. What he was doing was he loved his money and his things more than his very own life. Because it was holding on to his money and his things meant that he was not going to deal with his sins and not receive eternal life. And that means he was going to die forever in hell. What good was all of his possessions then? It shows the foolishness of his choice. But his sin was that he loved money and things more than God. And Jesus realized that was his sin and that would expose his sinful heart and that's why he told him what he did jesus was not telling people that if you'll just go sell all you have then you'll be saved he was trying to expose his sinfulness and the truth is for you and me there is some sin and sometimes more than one that we in our sinful hearts we will not let go of it very easily and Jesus knows what that sin is, and God knows what it is. And when Jesus was pressed here, he brought that sin out in this young man's life as he could bring it out in anybody's life and say, here's your sin that you want to hold on to rather than me. And salvation comes this way, by repentance, by turning away from sin, letting it go, rejecting it and saying, it is wrong and I'm going to turn my back on it, and I'm going to come to God, and Jesus, I'm going to receive you. I'm going to follow you in my life. I'm going to believe on your death on the cross that pays for all of my breaking the commandments and receive Jesus into your life and to follow him. And that's how you receive eternal life. It's the only way. Because there's nothing we can do because we've all been disqualified because we've sinned. Only... Jesus' life could be accepted by God. And when He died on the cross, He was substituted for us. And God's gift to us is He will allow Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our sins. He'll allow His death to be substituted for us. And Jesus' life was perfect, and so it can pay for our sins. And God allowed Jesus to die in our place. And then He allows us to repent of our sin and receive Jesus' gift of salvation. And then God says, I'll forgive all your sins if you'll do that. And at that point, it is not us earning our salvation. It is simply us receiving salvation. And so the final truth is there's nothing we can do to earn eternal life. Jesus is the only one that has it. And the way we receive it is by receiving Him turning from our sins and turning to Jesus and receiving Him. And that's what Jesus meant by taking up our cross. 
as we take up His cross. We believe on His death on the cross for us, for our sins, as our payment. And we say, Jesus, I want to give up my sin and I want You as my Lord and my Savior. And I'm going to follow You. That is how you have eternal life. When this young man heard that, he turned away and walked away because he didn't want to give up his money. He didn't want to give up his sin. And it's sad that there are millions and millions of people who make that choice in life. And they'll regret it when they enter into eternal death forever. They'll regret that decision. But this young man walked away and would not accept that salvation because he could not let go of his sin. And not accepting Jesus on that day was a decision to reject Jesus. That's a very important truth here, is a person that knows they need to be saved, they know they're a sinner, they know they need to be saved, but if they look at that and and listen to Jesus, talk to them just like this young man, and look at it and say, I'm just not going to do that right now. That is the same as saying, Jesus, I reject you. Jesus, I will not receive you. If you do not receive Jesus, you are rejecting Jesus. That was the failure of this young man and the sadness of this young man. He turned around way and walked away. Even though he was interested in eternal life, he was questioning about it. When he did not accept Jesus, he was rejecting Jesus and eternal life. The point is, we have a choice. And when we come to realize our need and realize Jesus is the Savior, we need to make that choice right then. Because it's ultimately the important issue in life. It is too important to wait. And it also could be too late to wait. Because none of us has any guarantee that we'll live past another day. Nobody, even a young person, has no guarantee. There's no guarantees of anything in life. We could be in an accident on the way home. There's no guarantees for anybody. The wages of sin is death. And salvation, the gift of salvation, must be received in this life before we die or it's too late. This young man walked away. He was sorrowful. He didn't understand the true sorrow in it. Jesus was sorrowful. Jesus uh, was sad at this because of the tragedy of a young man wanting Riches and possessions more than his own life. And in the end, he would lose both. He would lose it all. He would lose both. If he was never saved, if he never repented and changed, he's in hell today, and he's not enjoying anything of his money or his possessions. That's the foolishness of this. If you reject Jesus, you lose everything in the end. If you receive Jesus, you receive everything in the end. What's hard to figure out about that? And so Jesus invites us to repent and believe on Him and receive life, receive the best in life here on this, in this life and in the age to come for all eternity and it will never end. There will never be a time where we'll get sick and die in Jesus' salvation. We'll never die again. And that is the the thing we all need and the, all, and the thing that we all desire is to have eternal life where we'll never die, where life will continue on forever in a perfect existence and there's nothing better than that and that is the great issue in life. And so Jesus invites anyone who needs to receive that to re- repent and receive Him 
and then they can receive eternal life. It's by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus invites all to come to Him and to be forgiven and to be saved. And if you have not done that in your life, you need to do that today. You need to not wait. You need to do that today and settle the most important question in your life, and that is that you will have life forever. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming as our Savior and to give us eternal life as a gift, for we could not have it any other way. As sinners, we could not do anything to remedy our situation. Thank you for your great mercy on us to forgive us with all of our great sins against you. Thank you for your great love to die in our place and to suffer in that cruel death. And then to rise from the dead with a great victory that we could have victory over death and we could have true hope of eternal life and we could have a future to look forward to. We praise you for that and we thank you for that. And we uh, rejoice to follow you as the great King over life and the great Lord and Savior and the only one who is truly good. And so lead us in our life this week. Help us to obey you, turn away from sin, and to live for you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.